Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the RBR Recap, presented by Round by Round Boxing and RX Water. Welcome back to the RBR Recap, episode 14. I'm Alex Burgos, joined as always by Gabe Brevis. How are you, Gabe? Doing well, man. Enjoying this beautiful Sunday uh, afternoon, evening. Definitely. We're jumping on here a little bit later than usual uh, per my busy schedule now in the summer. But um, getting into it, had a, a heavy hitting matchup on Saturday uh, afternoon, which is kind of nice here in the States on the East Coast. Uh, kicked off at about, I would say, 4 p.m. Eastern time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Um, which was awesome. And we saw the return of the Gypsy King after not having fought in his native land for almost four years. Tyson Fury returned uh, with a spectacular sixth round knockout in front of a record breaking 94,000 people at uh, Wembley Stadium against Dillian White, who had two losses on his ledger. If you caught our precap prior to the fight, talking about this matchup and then, you know, what we thought was going to happen. Gabe, how did you think the fight went? Uh, was it what you expected? And, you know, what's next for the Gypsy King in your eyes? I think it was what we expected. We knew the dynamic going in was going to be someone shorter, um, having to cut the distance and face someone taller with a longer reach. We mentioned previously the seven-inch reach advantage for Tyson, the five-inch height advantage for Tyson Fury uh, as well. The age wasn't really a factor. Um, White turned 34 in April, Fury turns 34 um, in August. But I think what I want to address first is that this is what happens when you don't face people who are that much taller than you. Um, with Dillian White, if you just look at his past six or five or six opponents, um, they're usually at around his height or a little bit shorter. Uh, Pavetkin was 6'4, Marius Watch, 6'7 and a half. Oscar Rivas was shorter at 6'0. Derek Chishora, uh, 6'1 and a half. Joseph Parker, 6'4. Lucas Brown, 6'5. Uh, Anthony Joshua, a few years ago, 6'6. So they're usually around two or three inches taller than. Uh, Dillian White. With Tyson Fury, he was five inches taller. You're going to ask yourself, um, you know, what does that do to you when you're consistently facing someone, people who are around your height, and you rarely get to fight someone who's Tyson Fury's height? What happens is that you don't really know what to do in terms of head movement and de defense when you're cutting the ring. Um, I think Dillian White really had trouble when Tyson Fury would let go of a few shots. He would put his high guard and then his elbow would be up and then he would move his head a little bit. And then sometimes he would kind of go into a cross arm defense with his left hand down and his right hand uh, pairing uh, jabs and right hands. And so I'm not sure he knew what to do when coming forward. And I think that's how Tyson Fury capitalized. He saw him lunging forward. He saw him kind of not knowing what to do with his arms when moving. And so he let go a jab in the sixth round, kind of touched him, saw that when he did that, um, he, he would be open for an uppercut and launched a right uppercut to White's chin that knocked him down and out uh, in the sixth round. So um, you, you would expect that this dynamic of white having to cut the distance, uh, what I didn't take into consideration or remember is that he hadn't fought people of that height ever before in his career. No one is as tall as Tyson Fury. So it was right. a lot of trouble cutting the distance and, uh, Fury was able to connect and, and knock him out. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, who is Tyson Fury's size, really, with that skill? It's just a dynamic combination. And so, uh, Dillian White had never faced that, you know, who... Who has seen that before uh, in this era or in any era? And it's, you know, getting to a larger conversation of how would Tyson Fury fare 
uh, amongst the other greats. I think he'd hold his own and do pretty well. And, you know, you can make an argument that he's one of the greats already. So there's a few more uh, guys that he can face in his generation, but by all means, uh, he's really etched his name in the history books already. Uh, as far as how we saw this fight going, I think we talked about it in the precap. I really thought that he would use his size advantage. And, you know, around round four, five, six, he started weighing on white more and doing what I thought he was going to do. Actually, uh, I recommended betting on the stoppage, the prop, the stoppage for Fury. That ended up happening. And I got lucky with the round. I bet on a round six um, stoppage wow. and and Fury yeah. got that. Yeah. So that was, I think, at around a plus 1,000. And uh, a little lucky on that end, but I would have bet anything from around like six, seven, eight, where I thought he was going to start, you know, to wear white down. And and he really did. Uh, I thought he used his skill really well. He used feints and was really getting white to buy into more of his, you know, feints and movements as the rounds progressed. Um, I thought white was a little confused coming out in round one in the southpaw stance. Didn't really look comfortable throwing punches, looked more robotic. And to his uh, detriment stuck through that whole southpaw stance, the whole first round, uh, went back to the orthodox in the second round, but you know, it was just, uh, very apparent from the beginning that it was Tyson Fury's fight to do as he pleased. And so, you know, he gave the crowd what he wanted, a knockout, uh, stoppage, and now, you know, moves forward into a lot of conversation of what's next. Is it actually going to be retirement, which he alluded to, but then five minutes later said, Francis and Ganu come up to the ring. So, right. and I guess they're making the, the excuse that, Hey, well, he, if he fights him, it's going to be this hybrid, you know, different fight. It's not going to be a boxing fight, but still that's not you going into retirement. And not only that, you have the winner of Joshua uh, and Usyk or Usyk and Joshua this time, um, you know, lingering in the, in the shadows, whoever wins that fight is going to be available for an undisputed title unification for Tyson Fury, a huge money fight. And I think both of those fights uh, bring different things to the table. You have this huge UK battle. If Anthony Joshua gets his titles back, uh, it's going to be an incredible fight if that happens. And then Usyk too, another dynamic, the Ukrainian coming back, you know, Fury defeating Klitschko at one point years ago, taking the belts from Ukraine. Now Ukraine comes back with the rest of the, I mean, there's just so many storylines, right. cool things and dynamics and stuff. And Usyk, uh, you know, tremendous skill just poses a different threat, a different type of opponent for Fury. I would like to see not just this big puncher that, oh, you know, is he going to be able to hit Tyson Fury and knock him out? We've seen probably the biggest puncher of this era and Wilder wasn't able to do it. So this is now just maybe a potentially different storyline that we could see. Gabe, what do you think uh, moving forward is next for Fury? Do you think he actually retires or it'll be too uh, appetizing to let those those fights go by the wayside and just hang up the gloves for Tyson Fury? He did say he's going to be a man of his word, but it's hard to not fight and participate in the sport when there's so much money on the table. You did mention the potential hybrid fight with Francis Ngannou, but there's also a lot of businesses to take care of at heavyweight um, before he calls the quits. He did mention that he accomplished a lot in his post-fight interview. I mean, I think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame just with what he's done already, but there's still a lot that he can do, and he's really at the peak of his career to be able to fill Wembley Stadium 94,000 people. Um, he's at the top of his game in terms of his abilities in the ring. He didn't look slow. He didn't look old. At 34, that's a really good age to be at be heavyweight uh, champion of the world. 
Um, we didn't see him slow down at all in this fight. He used his boxing skills and he used his, his intelligence as well. Timothy Bradley said something really interesting. I can't remember if it was the third, fourth, or fifth round, but um, he was throwing fates. White came in lunging, and Tyson didn't really counter immediately. But Tim Bradley said he's making a miss, and eventually he's going to make him pay. And eventually he, di he did do yeah, that. Setting so traps, yep. Absolutely. Setting traps, but also seeing what his opponent does so he can capitalize it. He could have done that by countering with the lunges or by seeing what's open. And that's what he did, seeing that the uppercut was open and uh, landing a shot on White uh, to finish him. So with Tyson Fury, there's just so many things to do. He was able to have a nice trilogy, become champion, go back home because he felt he owed it to his fans to do a hometown defense in Wembley Stadium. But like you said, the, the, there's a fight with Usyk. There is a fight with Anthony Joshua. Just so many things to do um, before he calls it quits. And at 34, he's at the top of his game. But if he wants to ride off into the sunset, what better way than to do it in a, in a hometown defense in a stadium with a knockout win? It doesn't get any better than that. Thank you for listening to the RBR Recap. Make sure to follow us on social media at RBR Recap. And visit rbrrecap.com for the latest episodes.